0: Well, hello, hello, and welcome. This is Stuart Haynes, the host of the iFormerX podcast, where we explore the evidence that informs ambulatory care pharmacy practice. While the number of people who smoke tobacco has significantly declined over the past two decades, there are still millions of Americans and millions more around the world who smoke. Smoking remains a leading cause of lung cancer and COPD, and is a major contributor to cardiovascular disease. Moreover, tobacco use has been linked to many other diseases, including a wide variety of cancers, cataracts, infertility, and osteoporosis. And if you're unlucky enough to live with or work with smokers, your health can be negatively impacted as well. The bottom line, smoking has many negative impacts on our health, and as I've told many of my patients over the years, quitting is the single most powerful thing you can do to improve your health. But let's face it, it's not easy to quit smoking. But we know that using medications, as well as engaging in a structured program, can really increase the chances of success. Many of our listeners are involved in smoking cessation programs. But not everyone can take the time away from work to participate in a structured program. Indeed, many of our patients are reluctant to call or interact with other people during their quit attempts, perhaps due to feelings of shame or guilt. For this reason, I think there is a potential role for smoking cessation applications that you can download and use on your smartphone. But do these apps actually work? can they really make a difference? Well, our guests today, Dr. Michelle Bai and Dr. Yu Peng Vang, critically examined a recent study published in JAMA Internal Medicine, which evaluated the I Can Quit app. Dr. Bai is on faculty at the University of Arkansas Medical Sciences College of Pharmacy and is a clinical pharmacy specialist in the Veterans Healthcare System of the Ozarks, and Dr. Beng is a PGY1 pharmacy resident with UAMS Northwest in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Michelle, it's great to have you back on the iFormerX podcast. And you, it's great to have you here as a first time contributor. Welcome.
1: Thanks for having us today, Stuart. We're excited to talk about this unique article.
0: Thank you for welcoming us, Stuart. So before we get started, per usual, I'd like to get your thoughts on a patient case, a case, I think, that is similar to those you probably see every day in the VA. I want you to imagine you're seeing BV, a 64-year-old African-American male in the primary care clinic. The patient has a longstanding history of hypertension and he's obese. The patient is here for a routine blood pressure check. And he currently takes lisinopril hydrochlorothiazide, 20-25 milligrams in the morning, plus amlodipine, 5 milligrams at bedtime. And he weighs 214 pounds. His BMI is uh, 31.7. Blood pressure today looks really good. It's uh, 122 over 64. And his most recent labs uh, also look fine. You also note from the patient's medical records that he currently smokes half a pack of cigarettes a day. And when asked about his potential interest in quitting, he states, yeah, I know I should quit. There's really expensive and I know they're slowly killing me. I've been thinking about quitting smoking, but the program here at the VA, well, makes me drive 30 miles each way to go to the classes. It's a big hassle. So you, before we talk about the study that you reviewed in your iFormRx commentary, I'm wondering what's going through your mind in this case. What are some of the key questions that you'd ask this patient during the encounter in terms of smoking cessation? What are some treatment options you'd be considering at this point?
2: So when guiding any patient on the journey to be tobacco-free, one of the models we can use as a base to guide our process is that of the 5As which is currently considered to be the gold standard when it comes to delivering tobacco cessation intervention. The first A stands for ASK, which focuses on asking about a patient's tobacco use. It is important to not only identify the current tobacco habits of the patient, but also to consider the history of tobacco use, previous quit attempts, and medical history as to better guide our decision on the appropriate therapy course. The second A stands for ADVISE, which focuses on advising the patient to quit. It is here where we can educate the patient on risks associated of continued tobacco use and the benefits of tobacco cessation, such as reducing the risk of lung disease and hypertension. The third A stands for assess, which focuses on assessing the readiness of a patient to quit. This may be the most important factor as the patient's willingness to quit can serve as a primary motivator to ensure the patient remains abstinent and does not relapse. The fourth A stands for assist, which focuses on assisting with the quit intent, and that's whether it be pharmacological or non-pharmacological options. Currently, there are three main pharmacological options which are bupropion, vareniclin, and nicotine replacement therapies, such as the patches, lozenges, or the gum. In terms of efficacy, the EGOS trial demonstrated that when comparing these interventions, a greater abstinence rate was achieved with vareniclin. However, there are barriers such as cost when it comes to choosing vareniclin. Unlike with nicotine replacement therapy, uh, where if you are an eligible patient, uh, they can call 1-800-QUIT-NOW, where you can receive up to four weeks of lozenges and patches at no charge at all. Non-pharmacological treatments that can be considered include behavioral therapy, quitting abruptly or also known as quitting cold turkey, and using aids such as a smartphone application. Behavioral therapy can help educate the patient on strategies to avoid and or cope with triggers, manage cravings, and reduce withdrawal symptoms. Although it could be used independently, a higher abstinence rate has been achieved when using it adjunctively with pharmacological options. Quitting cold turkey can be a viable option as well. However, a prolonged abstinence rate was much lower than when comparing to pharmacological interventions. And now with the growing use of handheld devices, smartphone applications are now being explored as a cost-effective option to help assist with tobacco station, as we will talk much more about today. The fifth and final A stands for Arrange, meaning we need to ensure that there is adequate follow-ups with the patient. Therefore, when choosing a therapy option, it is important to consider the patient's history and primary concerns to ensure we do personalize the treatment regimen to best fit the needs of an individual. A few questions I would want to ask this patient today would be related to his past medical history willingness to quit today, and history of any previous quit attempts, including the use of non-pharmacological and pharmacological therapy. I would ensure we have the patient's most up-to-date medication list to prevent any interactions if the patient is interested in quitting and does want to use pharmacotherapy today. I would also ask some questions on his tobacco use habits, such as when he smokes his first cigarettes of the day, what activities are associated with smoking habit, and what triggers his use of cigarettes. When considering a treatment offer, though, it would have to be a shared decision incorporated with the patient's preference. So, Michelle,
0: in the commentary you wrote for iFarmerX, you reviewed the study entitled Efficacy of Smartphone Applications for Smoking Cessation, a Randomized Clinical Trial, which was published in JAMA Internal Medicine in September 2020. Now, we provide a link to that paper on the iFormerX website, but can you give us a brief synopsis of the study methods and the results?
1: Sure, Stuart. So, this study evaluated the use of the I Can Quit smartphone application, which is based on what we call acceptance and commitment or ACT therapy. Versus the Quit Guide application from the National Cancer Institute based on the US clinical practice guidelines. This was a double blinded, parallel, two group, and sightless trial. Pertinent inclusion criteria were the use of five or more cigarettes per day for the last year, interest in quitting smoking within the next 30 days, and if participants were concurrently using any other tobacco products like e cigarettes. They had to be interested in quitting those within the next 30 days as well. In addition, they could not have concomitant use of any additional smoking cessation treatment options. Follow-up surveys were completed online, on the phone, or through the mail at three, six, and 12-month intervals with the primary outcome of self-reported 30-day point prevalence abstinence, which is the use of tobacco within the last 30 days at 12 months after randomization. Some secondary outcomes included prolonged abstinence, point prevalence abstinence marks at three and six months, and cessation of all tobacco products at 12 months. The investigators also did look at engagement and participant satisfaction with assigned applications, and they used an intention to treat analysis. So approximately 2,400 adults were enrolled and randomized then in a one-to-one fashion to receive either the I Can Quit or Quit Guide application. The retention rates found in this study were fairly high, greater than 85% at all markers 3, 6, and 12 months out. Participants were predominantly female and white with a mean age of 38, and most were smoking more than one half pack per day with a long duration of tobacco use and a high nicotine dependence score. The I Can Quit participants had a significantly higher rate of 7-day and 30-day point prevalence abstinence at the 3-, 6-, and 12-month follow-ups compared to those with the Quit Guide application. I Can Quit participants also performed significantly better for prolonged abstinence and cessation of all tobacco products. Engagement and participant satisfaction were both higher with the I Can Quit application as well.
0: Well, you, one of the strengths of this particular study, I think, is the randomized controlled design and the recruitment strategy was rather unique. I'm wondering what you believe are the strengths and potential weaknesses of this study. Are there any potential confounders that may have impacted the results?
2: Indeed, with any study, they have their particular strengths and weaknesses. A few of these strengths uh, were that it was a double-blinded randomized trial with quite a large sample of around 2,400 participants. In fact, this is the largest to study to examine the efficacy of a smartphone-based application for tobacco sensation. Another strength was that over the 12-month follow-up period, they did maintain a high overall retention rate of about 87%. Unfortunately, when it comes to strengths, it stops a little bit short here. The study did not really have any major weaknesses that could cause you to question the validity of the results, but there are a few things that must be discussed. One weakness is that of the design of the study when concerning its generalizability. Now earlier I talked about the high retention rate as being a strength of the study, though it could also be interpreted as a weakness. This is because the follow-up surveys were primarily completed either online or on the phone and also incentivized which could cause a hyperinflation of responses. And also contributing to that is that the researchers sent out a weekly email to remind patients to use their assigned intervention. It's important to note that this weekly email is not a feature of either application and it was only part of the study. Finally, when searching in the Google Play Store using the common term Quit Smoking, the Quit Guide app wasn't seen until looking 43 applications down and the I Can Quit app wasn't even seen until the non-layman term smoking sensation" was used, and it appeared 143 positions down. As we know with any intervention, if it is unattainable by the general population, it is hardly an intervention that can be useful for all since no one could get to it. Along with these weaknesses, there are also a few confounders that need to be accounted for. One of these include that nearly half of the sample population had a positive depression screening. This, of course, can have an impact on the retention and relapse rates. Also, the participants receiving behavioral or pharmacotherapy and those receiving help from a healthcare professional were not reported. This poses the question of where the place of applications may lie when considering therapies for smoking cessation, such as whether it should be adjunctive to behavioral and pharmacotherapy or whether it may be effectively independently used.
0: The I Can Quit application isn't the only smartphone application out there that can assist people who want to quit smoking. What are some of the other apps available? How much do they cost, if there is a cost at all? And are all applications basically the same? Or are there some real differences in their features that we should be paying attention to?
1: That's a great question, Stuart, because there are quite a few smartphone applications available. In fact, almost 500 English language smoking cessation applications are available, as cited in some statistics in the article that we reviewed. Available applications differ based on content, components, engagement, tracking, and approaches for dealing with smoking cessation and cravings in general. The two applications described in our commentary and this podcast are free. Now, I reviewed a few applications to provide some insight for our listeners on some other currently available applications that are out there. One application called Quit Now involves personalization into four unique sections or domains. And these domains include your new ex smoking status, ex smoker achievements to help keep you motivated a strong community of ex-smokers that are available for social support, and new health improvements that you've noted now with your decision to stop smoking. Another application called Clickotine from Click Therapeutics has been studied in a single-arm trial with benefits noted on participant engagement and overall quit rates. This particular application focuses on recommendations from the U.S. Clinical Practice Guidelines, similar to the Quit Guide, It includes the following features, assistance with developing a personalized quit plan, social engagement, personalized messaging, medication assistance and adherence planning, and even financial incentives, uniquely enough. The Easy Quit app includes markers to help participants track how their health is improving, includes badges as incentives, and also has a game to play when cravings occur. And lastly, another I looked at called My Quit Buddy serves as a companion to help users quit smoking by highlighting differences in the body as you quit and financial incentives that you'll notice from not purchasing cigarettes with regards to the amount of money that you're saving. All of these and most listed applications that you'll find are free, although many do have some in-app purchases that you could explore if interested. When reviewing the available smoking cessation applications, the opportunities are really endless and it can be overwhelming. If discussing these with a patient, I think it's important to personalize selection and determine what features would be most helpful for your patient in their efforts to quit. So this may even prompt a discussion on differences between applications and might even encourage your patient to trial a few to see which one best fits their interests and needs. For example, if someone's taking pharmacotherapy to help with smoking cessation, they may need an application that provides assistance with medication tracking and adherence. If your patient needs additional support, you should probably recommend or select an application that includes some form of social engagement because that's not commonly found with every application. If triggers are very concerning for a patient, your patient may benefit from a game or activity that will pop up when they get a craving to help assist with working through that craving and providing a distraction at that point in the day.
0: So let's go back to our case. Recall that BV has expressed an interest in smoking cessation. He's indicated that the live face-to-face smoking cessation offered through the VA is a bit of a barrier for him due to the long drive. Do you think a smoking cessation app like I Can Quit would be a good option for this patient? What do you think would be some of the key ingredients for him to succeed?
2: I feel the use of a cessation app could be an option offered to him today, as the results of the trial did show a high cessation rate. However, I feel it would be hard to extrapolate the results of the trial to apply to BV. I feel the better option would be to have him follow up with a healthcare professional. Through a phone call or remote distancing visits, and with him being a VA patient, and if we decided to use pharmacotherapy, we could just mail it to him. By using therapy backed with evidence and having consistent follow-up with this patient, these may serve as the key ingredients for him to be successful. When exploring additional options, though, a smartphone application may be useful as a low-risk adjunctive tool to these other key ingredients.
0: Michelle, you, I want to thank you both so much for joining me today to discuss the use of smoking cessation applications to assist patients who want to quit. I think it's clear from your comments that you believe these applications have a role. They're usually free and they can be used as adjunct to other well-validated evidence-based therapies, including behavioral therapies. Well, tell us what you think. Should we be encouraging our patients to explore and use applications like the I Can Quit app or do these smartphone applications simply take away the opportunity to effectively engage with our patients so it's a lost opportunity Well only iFormRx members can leave comments and use the interactive features on the site so consider becoming a member of iFormRx and leaving a comment about what you think iFormRx is free to health professionals so sign up today And if you are a board-certified ambulatory care pharmacist and want to earn recertification and continuing education credit for this program, you can. We've partnered with the American Pharmacists Association to offer iFormerX content as part of their board recertification program. So click on the link below the commentary on our website to learn more. Lastly, I want to thank Rob Howe at the VA Medical Center in West Palm Beach, Florida for his numerous contributions to i X. Over the past five years, Rob has worked with each of his cardiology practice residents to write a commentary and record a podcast regarding some of the most important cardiovascular trials that have been published in the last five years. Personally, I've always learned something new from Rob's insightful comments. Moreover, Rob has given us some of the best peer reviews, and in every respect, he has been a truly valuable member of the iFormerX community. So thank you, Rob. Well, until next time, this is Stuart Haynes, Editor-in-Chief of iFarmRx, signing off.